Do you want to hear the story of Mary Bell, the 11-year-old serial killer? Will you give a few seconds of your time? Good evening, folks. So you're obviously familiar with the nature versus nurture debate, yeah? I've heard that many a time. I think this is a perfect example of the nature versus nurture debate. I mean, once you hear this story of A, what this girl did, and B, her environment growing up, it's hard to imagine how... I'm not saying, you know, you can obviously guess from the title that she ended up killing people, but it's hard to imagine how someone that went through what she went through was going to end up as an accountant. Okay. You know what I mean? Fair enough. Yep. Um, and then, you know, it's hard to, you can't guess how she would have ended up, I suppose, if she had been brought up by rich parents and gone to a, you know, private boarding school either. It's, you can't tell. You don't know if it's if it's built in at birth or if it really is a product of, of someone's environment. But as a part of the research for this story, I did do just a very, very small amount of research around child like children who act out and children who go on to commit crimes because Mary Bell the story is interesting but she's obviously not the only child in the world who's who's murdered someone in the past true and the, and in this research I was reading they talk a lot about how at a young age if violence is imprinted on a child there's a high you know in the 90% range that that child will grow up to be a a violent adult as well. Yeah, I'd have to say that your upbringing would have some bearing and play a role in how you develop and how you act and what you do as an adult. I'd, I'd agree with that. Yeah, and I mean, there's plenty of stories where, you know, people have grown up in extremely poor environments and gone on to do amazing things. But when I tell you the story of, you know, what this girl's gone through... And again, you can't justify what she went on to go and do, but it's just hard to... I've read this story, I've I've read multiple versions of the story, and you just think, well, she really never stood a chance, I suppose. Yeah, right. So she was born... Um, well, sorry, I was going to say, when she was born, her mum was only 16 years old, and her mum was a prostitute. So when does this story take place? In what time period are we talking about here? Um, so she was born in 57. Okay, yep. Um, her mum's a prostitute. She's only 16 years old. And I think apparently one of the first things she's reported to saying, uh, reported saying to her daughter is to take that thing away from me. Yeah, right. So again, that's probably have, that probably has no bearing on Mary Bell and where she ended up. But you can imagine... If that's the attitude that the mum has at the birth, things probably aren't going to go and get a lot better for her. It's not a great start. No. So 
She's born yeah. in 57. Um, this is over in England. Her mother's name is Betty, and her actual father is never discovered. She never knows her actual father. There's a high chance he could have just been one of her mum's clients, I don't know, customers, whatever you want to call it. But More she was than partly likely. raised by a guy named Billy Bell, which is where she took the last name Bell. So Mary Flora okay. Bell is her full name. Um, all the reports basically st- say that he was actually a really good father because her mother totally had it in for her. And there's numerous reports of her mother essentially attempting to kill her. <laughs> Jeez, okay. So it was it apparently was quite commonplace that Mary would be covered in bruises, you know, with stories like she fell down the stairs or she there was one story where she fell out of a second story window. Um, there was one instance where she apparently by accident took you know, nearly a whole bottle of sleeping pills. And these are all things that are happening while she's five, six, seven, eight years old. Yeah. Yeah. So, again, the kid kind of never really stood a, never really stood a chance. Her mum was never around. Um, I was reading that they grew up in um, a fairly, fairly average area, prone to crime. Apparently there was constant police presence a lot of domestic abuse issues, a lot of drug activity, and a lot of sex work. Um, Does it say where? A little, uh, Does it say yeah, the area place? called Scottswood in Newcastle. Okay, yeah. And for context, if this means anything to anyone, she grew up on a street called Whitehorse Road. I, I find it interesting. You, you set the scene for the kind of place she grew up in and the kind of situation she grew up in. Um, a lot of sex, a lot of drugs, a lot of domestic violence. Clearly not a lot of um, docs workers, as we call them over here, which are looking out for the safety and well-being of children. No, I, I, don't, think that, I don't think this area was high on the list of let's get in and, and clean it up type thing. No. Um, so whilst she's in this extremely you know, poor area, nothing but trouble surrounds her. Her mum is never around when she is around. She's being constantly reminded that she's, you know, a mistake, an issue, a problem for her mum to deal with. Mm. She had Billy, who was a a central father figure. He ended up going to jail for armed robbery. But like I said, by all accounts, he, he... really did seem to have a really good relationship with her and he kind of was her um i wouldn't say protector but he was i guess the the divider between mary and her mum you know she mm. kind of kept things uh, he kind of kept things a little civil so when he went to jail mm. um things definitely didn't get any better for her no and that was around when she was 5 or 6 years old he went to jail and the first thing that her mum tried to do was give her away. And it was actually her auntie or her mum's sister who intervened and went and collected her and brought her back to the house. So, again, that's another fork in the road where you could think yeah, one of two things. If she had have actually been given away, life could have been a lot better for her. If her auntie maybe had have taken her with her, life could have been maybe slightly better for her. But she ended up back with her mum which 
essentially ended, put her in a position where she ended up being put into sex work herself. So she's... At what age? She's about five or six years old at this point. Oh, fucking hell. Yep. And her mum sees another opportunity for her to, you know, start making more money. Wow. So you've got this kid. She's... I guess she feels constantly like she's a problem. Constantly reminded that she's an issue. Never shown any real love. The one person, Billy, who ended up going to jail that did, I guess, care for a little bit. He's no longer around. That safety net's gone. She ends up five or six years old. Now she's a sex worker herself. Probably has no idea what's really going on, but she's grown up with this. That's all she's known. From what I could find, it wasn't uncommon that her mum would have guys over to the house and do the job right in front of her. When And when you're five and six, you haven't been able to form any of your own opinions about anything. Everything you see in front of you or hear is you kind of, I'm trying to put myself back when I was five or six, this is how it is. Like, you know what I mean? Like you, the, the, the adults that you know, uh, they obviously know well better because they're adults. You just take everything at face value. You know, you have total trust in the police and politicians and all authority figures. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're authority figures. They are, they're, they're the people in charge. And, and I think that's, you know, we go back to talking about this nature versus nurture. She had all of these things imprinted on her at such an early age. She's, from what I can understand from, from reading all this information, her mum probably got straight back to work as soon as she was bored, uh, born, sorry. Mm-hmm. And it was, mm-hmm. again, it was just an issue to deal with having Mary Bell around. So she had no, she had no reason, the mum, to ever say, I shouldn't be doing this in front of my daughter. It was just like, she's a piece of the furniture. Mm. Um, so from a young age, this is all she knows. And we talk, you know, nowadays parents talk about, you know, giving nothing but encouragement and love to their children, which is the normal thing to do because at an early age, it teaches them, I suppose, you start to start to instill a set of morals and guidelines for the type of person they're going to grow up and become. Yep. And that's kind of unfortunately exactly what happened to her, but just in the most negative possible way. Yeah. So she's, you know, another big thing that happened to her, she's around nine years old at this point, and she was with her friend who got run over and killed by a bus. And that's not a huge part of the story, but it just is like another little, I think, moment in time in her life where it's like, this is just another thing I, I deal with now. And she obviously wouldn't have had the support network in her life to help her cope with something like this. Like she physically saw her, her friend get killed by a bus. And it's one of those things where, in, as you said, in, in isolation, probably not so much of a deal. But I always talk about this when you're talking about little things that are being asked of people or inconvenience that are put on people. And they say, oh, this this is what are you talking about? This isn't that bad okay, yeah, this isn't that bad, but in context, in in regards to everything else I'm dealing with, it's just another drop in the... It's just, I call it like a drop of water in the bucket. The bucket's already full yeah. of stuff I've got to deal with, and you're putting another drop of water in my bucket. Sooner or later, the bucket's going to overflow. And, and I think, you know, 
that's the type of thing that's happened here with this. It's another, it's another thing that she's not taught how to properly deal with. So it becomes she, something yeah. of not huge importance, mm. which you know you can see it's going to start to pave the way for her um, when she does what she does. Well, and also, if you think about it, if you see that and you've got no support mechanism to tell you how much of a thing this is, then I'm guessing for someone who's nine years old, life, someone's just losing their life. Okay, it doesn't matter. That's exactly which exactly right. Exactly where we're going. You kind of yeah. start to devalue. Well, life doesn't have any importance. And she's already been shown no. that her life has zero importance. So That's right. Yep. Basically, leading up to this point, they're in this from what I could understand about this little town that they live in, it's one of those areas where everybody knows everyone. Mm, yeah. So she was really kind of the um, the one that stuck out. And there was plenty of reports because the news had a field trip with, um, with, with this when it all happened and thousands of interviews and stuff. But she was basically known as an extremely strange little child, withdrawn, apparently highly manipulative... And they said she was always hovering on the edge of violence. It was not uncommon for and, her to end up hurting someone, hitting someone, doing something bad. And no well-minded or well, um, you know, no well-intentioned human being or individual or adult stepped in to maybe saying, hang on a minute, there's something going wrong here. No, because I guess, again, this is now back in the 60s at this point. Um, mm. You know, everyone just kind of minded their own business. It wasn't. You know, nowadays you've got Facebook to for everyone to jump on and tell everyone how they should be living mm. their life and how they should be parenting their children. <laughs> but back then, yeah, true. it was very yeah. much just, well, you know, that's Mary Bell. She's the, you know, the weird little strange one and I don't want you going near her type thing. And something might be going on in that house, but it's none of our business. Exactly. And that's just, you know, the way yeah. it was. Mm. Um, Even though her mum's a sex worker and everyone knows everyone's business, everyone probably knows her mum's a sex worker. Yeah, but also it wasn't <laughs> yeah. uncommon. Like, sex work, unfortunately, wasn't uncommon in this area. Yeah. Yep. So, it just doesn't sound like there's just no... There's no combination no. of things here no. that we're going to work out for her. No. And, again, I'm sure there's plenty of people that grew up in that area that went on to be just normal people, but with with her particular case, it was just constant... It was constant confirmation that she's worthless. She's... She's a nobody. She's a nothing. She is the most unimportant thing in the world. I think that's just the vibe that you kind of get when you when you read these stories. Yeah. So it's now 1968, and it's roughly I think I think it's actually the day before her 11th birthday. And in this area, there's tons of abandoned houses and factories and you know, derelict buildings and all that. You can you can imagine the place, you know, it's one of those places you see in the movies where the sun never comes out and there's a building, there's some factory in the background that's pumping out a ton of black smoke. You know, it's... It's always raining. Yeah, it's just one of those really depressing looking places mm. and I'm mm. sure it just never feels good to be there. No. So, um, there's a local group of boys basically that are as they do, running amok in one of these derelict houses. Apparently that was the thing to do back then because there's nothing else to do there. And a little body was found, and that was Martin Brown. He was found in one of the bedrooms. He was laying on his back with his... This is how it was described. His arms are outstretched, 
basically like Jesus on the cross. That's what the news reports were were reporting, um, kind of surrounded by just rubbish, blood coming out of his mouth. Um, obviously, an ambulance came. He he was already well and truly gone. They tried to revive him, um, but they did find a pack of sleeping tablets empty, sleeping like a bottle of sleeping pills empty. Mm-hmm. So again, it, it might not sound normal for us now in 2020, but I guess back in 1968, they kind of just quickly connect the dots and say, unfortunately, this has been a terrible accident. And that was basically it for then. Mm. So there was no wounds, no no sign of assault or anything like that, I'm guessing? No. So it, there really was no physical evidence on the body. Mm. Um, there was no signs of struggle. There was no injuries. It was just marked down to, you know, like a tragic accident happened. Mm-hmm. He's a four-year-old boy. He's got his hands on these pills. Oh, four. Yeah. Oh, yeah, right. Jeez. The next day, though, so now it is her birthday. One of the, um, I actually think it's the only nursery in Scottswood, was vandalized. So broken into and notes were left all over the place. At that particular point in time, they made no sense to anyone. Um, but I've actually got pictures of them, which I'll be posting on the social media channels. And the the two notes that end up standing out, the first one, and when you're looking at them, that's why I think it's important to, to see them on social media, is they're clearly not written by an adult. Mm. It's The first one says, We did murder Martin Brown. Fuck off, you bastard. Wow. And the next one said, again, it doesn't make a ton of sense, but you've kind of got a picture of the people that have written this. It says, I murder so that I may come back. That's a bit dark. Well, yeah. I you know, hope that you're seeing the picture here of the type of, mm. I guess, person she's becoming, the environment that she's in, and this is what's going through her head. Mm. Um, so that's the day after the the murder of Martin Brown. And... Unfortunately, again, the police just kind of write this off as a prank. Yeah, right. Yep. So, fast forward, it's just over two months later. It's now July 31st. And there's a second young boy. He's three years old. His name's Brian Howe. He was last seen, again, it's, it's in the late 60s. Kids don't have tablets and iPads and you know all that type of gear so he was literally last seen out in the street playing with his dog and it was only when the you know dinner time rolled around his parents have gone looking for him and they can't find him he's no longer outside a neighborhood search out like literally comes together so everyone's out looking for him well into the night police neighbors obviously all the family everyone's out looking for him Um, it's roughly 11 o'clock that night that he's found in like a wasteland area. Um, But this time the body's been, instead of just left out in the open, covered up by a blanket, grass, leaves, sticks, all like all of that type of gear. Mm -hmm. And now it finally becomes clear to the police that this has actually been a murder. This isn't an accident. This time Mm -hmm. around... Um, there was visible bruising, there was scratches around his neck, and it was quite obvious that he'd been strangled. 
Um, okay. His face was covered in blood, and he had blood coming from his mouth, unfortunately, as well. Um, the, the the police officer that was involved basically from the beginning, from when the second boy, Brian Howe, was found, was um, James Dobson, who was constable at the time, and he was in charge of the investigation for Brian Howe's death, because at this point, they hadn't connected the two. They, they weren't thinking serial killer. They weren't thinking anything out of the ordinary for the first body that was found. It's funny you say that, because... I'm hearing this story for the first time and yeah okay I've got some backstory about the people the person who we now know has committed the crime but a four-year-old boy and a three-year-old boy Mm -hmm. die in close proximity to each other like for me that's I've never been a police officer in my life but that's alarm bells in my mind straight away yep yeah it's true um his first thought and I think probably rightfully so because as a police officer i assume their first thought isn't to start looking at the local kids so no his first thought is to start looking around for known child abusers or suspected child abusers in the area mm-hmm. yeah which is fair and reasonable yep. and it was only after the pathologist came back the one that was investigating brian howe's death and said, yep, he'd, he'd been strangled in the afternoon that day. There was pressure marks around his neck, across his nose, but they could they could kind of tell that they'd been made by, I guess, smaller hands. Yep. Um, and there was... I, again, I don't know how this was missed, but I don't know what type of police work they do back in the 60s, but it was later found yeah. that there was an M carved into his stomach. Ooh, and, he, and some of his hair had been cut out. Okay. So you can see, we already know what the outcome is here, but I suppose if you're, yep. if you're a police officer at the time, you're starting to think, okay. And then the pathologist probably made the most important comment for the police that changed the direction of their investigation. And the pathologist reported that they felt after investigating or examining examining the body that the cuts hadn't been made from a place of anger. It almost felt more like they'd been made from a place of, and this is the direct word, curious playfulness. Wow. So that was what initially shifted the the change for the police's investigation. Um, And then, again, you've got to remember Mary Bell is an 11-year-old kid she's not a um criminal mastermind but what basically put her in the spotlight was on the morning of brian howe who was the three-year-old she went oh sorry on the morning of his funeral she went mary bell went to the the house to ask if he could come out and play that's dark it is it is dark um that's dark and Dobson, who is the the police officer investigating, he went to the um, to the funeral later that day because apparently, I guess that makes sense. I know I've heard that multiple times where police officers will often attend a murder victim's mm-hmm. funeral to see who's there and how they're behaving. I remember they showed um, Detective Owen in Underbelly um, going to all the mob funerals to see who was about and who was acting shady. Yep. Yeah. So. I don't know 
Constable Dobson. But I would guess that it wouldn't take much of a police officer to work this one out when we talk about things being dark. So it was stated by a number of witnesses at the funeral that Mary Bell was laughing and rubbing her hands together as the coffin came out. I hear, wow. And that was what tipped, wow. that's, that's what tipped Dobson off in the end to maybe start looking at an 11-year-old girl as opposed to out hunting down potential ser- um, you know, children abusers. Jesus. She almost sounds like she should be in an exorcist movie or something. Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm surprised there hasn't been a movie already. Um, mm. so, so tied up in all of this, and I haven't mentioned her up until this point because it's, she's not a huge character, but um, Mary Bell had a friend who was essentially along for the ride. Her name was Norma Bell which is pure, right. pure coincidence. They're not related at all. Gotcha. Um, but Norma Bell does become important once the police start looking at Mary Bell because she essentially is what underpins the investigation. So they're both originally bought in because the pathologists again later say that it actually looked like it could have been an N that was carved into his body and then later changed to an M. And they kind of right. theorized that maybe it was the girls taking turns or, you know, again, th- this mm-hmm. is all a game to them. Yep. So Norma later told the police that Mary had just taken her to see the body. And right. she was not involved at all. They were both charged with manslaughter. Hmm. Um, but Norma Bell did end up being... Um, let go. She wasn't charged in the end, or she wasn't convicted, I should say, because mm-hmm. she did basically give up Mary Bell. So she rolled over on her. Yeah, she, she showed the police where Mary had hidden the scissors that were used to, you know, cut his hair, and the razor blade that was used to slice the M into his stomach. Um, and then it was a fairly quick trial. The trial only lasted nine days, but at this mm. point. Norma's no longer involved. She wasn't being charged. She wasn't being convicted. So it was said by a number of witnesses that were also at the trial um, that Mary, well, they, they kind of basically said she just looked bored and disengaged. Where? <laughs> Jesus. Um, That's pathological. Yeah. You know, everyone's in this courtroom, essentially on the edge of their seat, wanting to know what's going to happen. And if you can picture it, she's basically just sat there because she has to be there. Mm. Um, and did they sorry they charged uh, her with both murders yes so in the end she's charged with the manslaughter of both Um, she something I I was not familiar with before reading or doing the research on this story was she was she ended up being convicted and the the sentence given to her so she was sentenced and to be detained at Her Majesty's pleasure. Have you ever heard of that? I have, yes. I, I hadn't heard of that. So basically it just means mm. there's there's no time limit put on it until... Whenever whenever Joffrey decides to let her go. Yeah, is that where you heard it? <laughs> no, no, no. Uh, I didn't hear it from there, but I just used him as the, the most recent monarch that we know. Um, but yeah, I've definitely heard at, at Her Majesty's pleasure used before because essentially that was you know it's when is de- 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 deemed that the ruler has decided that you know you can you're out 
Yeah. And that was that, that was pretty much what it was. So she ended up going to to prison for 12 years. 12 years. Yep. Jeez. Um okay. After the first 9 years though, and I couldn't find a ton of information on on this, but she did escape. So 9 years she in. She escaped jail. Yeah, 9 years in God. she's transferred to an adult's prison obviously. Hmm. To where she ends up escaping. She was caught apparently fairly quickly and then put mm. back into prison for another two years. So she was released in 1980. Yep. And you can imagine it's the 80s now. She was literally hounded, followed, and constantly attacked by the media and the tabloids and all of that type of gear. As you would. Yep. So she was not witness protection because that's not what that's obviously doesn't suit this situation, but she was basically given um, like a community order where that also included that she could go into hiding, basically. Mm-hmm. Um, so changing her name, having her address undisclosed, all of that type of gear, she ended up going on having a daughter, and then it all once her daughter turned around fourteen, it all basically started again. So now this is the mid-90s. Everyone connects the dots and they work out that Mary Bell has had a daughter. This is her daughter. And that's actually when her daughter finds out about everything that her mum's been up to as a kid. And how does that go? So that the order is then extended to her daughter and they then move away. The daughter changes her name. Mary Bell changes her name again. Um, address undisclosed, all of that type of gear. And then recently, it was 2004, I think, which made her daughter mid-20s. Um, she had a granddaughter, and the uh, the order was extended to the granddaughter as well. So I don't know if this is just going to continue on or if you get to a certain point where it doesn't matter anymore, but it's in- the the one thing that I was thinking about when I finished researching this was you know, how would you feel if you found out that your grandparents were involved in something like this or had done something like that? I'd want to disown them and disassociate with myself from myself from them on all levels. Right. What about if you found out your great grandma was this person? Same thing. Yeah. So, Same thing. Know. I would. I would literally want to erase that person from my the lineage that I that I pay attention to. It's it, that was what was interesting to me at the very end. So, um, she's still alive today. There's been multiple books written about her, obviously. Yeah, and she's basically living in hiding at the moment. Yeah, and um, and you were you able to find out about her, her relationship with her daughter, or because of the anonymity, that's obviously there's not a lot of information about. That. Very little information about her daughter. It was just you know, from what I could gather, for the first fourteen years, they were basically just living a normal life. You know, at this point, Mary Bell's got a new name, and no one really mm-hmm. knows who she is. No one's connected the dots. Yeah. Um, it was something yeah. to do with her daughter's father that ended up tipping off everybody. Mm-hmm. But ultimately, for the first 14 years, and by the time you're 14, you're, you're pretty, you know, you're well aware of what's going on. Exactly so right. It's a huge yeah. bombshell for her daughter to have drop, dropped mm. on her to say, this is actually what your mum's been up to. Yeah. And getting back to the whole nature versus nurture thing, her daughter hasn't become a serial killer. No, so, I mean, it's it's really kind of hard to tell what type of person Mary Bell has gone on to become because there's very little information about her yeah. adult life. Um, 
for all we know, and this is pure speculation, she could be the world's best mother. You don't know. We don't know exactly right, yeah. So she's she's had yeah. one hell of an upbringing. Maybe she said, um, you know, maybe prison did its job and straightened her out to the point that she said, I'm never going to... I'm never going to do to someone what was done to me type of thing. Yeah. Um, were you able to find out anything about what happened to her mother during uh, Mary's prison sentence and court and all that kind of stuff? Like, does she, do we find out what happened to her? Because she was, you could, you, you could mount an argument that she's culpable for her daughter's behaviour. Yeah, I, I would agree. I couldn't find, there was, there was very little information about her um, after it all kind of went, after everything that happened, happened, basically. Yep. So. There you go. That's the story. And now, folks, it's time to say Thanks again for dropping in. We hope you'll make this a weekly visit. And hope we bring the family home. You've enjoyed the evening as much as we've enjoyed having you here. Carefully and come back again soon. Good night. Good night, now. Good night.